The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Back then, I was really, really low on myself, and it couldn't have come at a better time in my life. I want to say, I I don't know how many commercials I had done in that year. It was a a ridiculous amount. It got to the point where if I was walking down the street, people would go, man, I know you from uh, Twix. Was it? No, no. Miller, no. Was it? That's bad. I go, all of them. (laughs) All of those things. (laughs) It was all those commercials. Hey folks, I'm Lamorne Morris, and I played what Steven Spielberg has called the greatest TV character of all time. I played Winston Bishop on New Girl. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome back to Off the Beat. I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. I'm so glad you decided to join me today because, my friends, I am so excited about today's guest. If you didn't catch him in Desperados or Woke, you might know him as New Girls Prankster Extraordinaire. That's right. There really is nobody like Winston Bishop, a.k.a. the unbelievably talented Lamorne Morris. Now, I have to tell you something. I spent this conversation with Lamorne smiling. The entire time when we were done, my cheekbones were hurting from smiling so much. Now, just like his character, Lamorne grew up in Winston's hometown of Chicago, eventually making his way to Second City, the Second City Training Center. He is such a natural comedian and he has just some really amazing stories from his early days working in commercials to getting cast on New Girl after, get this, 15 auditions. By the way, I only had one for Kevin Malone. He has commitment. I have luck. Today, you're going to hear some of these stories, and you'll also hear his shocking revelation about cats. Get ready. Without further ado, please welcome my new friend and yours, Lamorne Morris. Bubble and squeak, 
I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning. Left over from the night before. What's up? What's up, dude? What's up, Lamorne? How are you? I'm good, Brian. I'm good, 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 man. Oh, Just my gosh. Out. I'm such a big fan of yours. Thank you so much for coming on uh, the oh, show here today. You. I'm very excited that. to have you. I hear that, uh, well, you're you're encroaching on my space now. You're in the podcast business yourself. Is that right? This is 100% correct. We over at the, at the New Girl headquarters, <laughs> we were like, uh, <laughs> we get all these messages from fans constantly and, and asking questions constantly. And I find myself seeing the show being rewatched all the time with Netflix and Hulu and right. whoever's purchasing and buying. And we just thought, man, let's do it. And then and I didn't know it was a thing until I saw you do it, until I saw the office ladies doing it. I saw, you know, I, and I was like, holy crap, <laughs> the scrubs guys. I said, man, it's like, this is awesome. I, I didn't know I could do that. Yeah, you, you can, and you guys are doing it so well. I want to talk about that in a little bit, but I want to go back to the beginning. You grew mm -hmm. up in Chicago, right? Yeah, I grew up in Chicago, uh, south side of Chicago. Then, you know, move my, move my way around a little bit. So South Side of Chicago, then West Burbs of Chicago. Okay. That's kind of where I figured out my sense of humor and things that I love to do is just having like the, the best and worst of both worlds. <laughs> but you stayed true to your uh, South Side roots. You're a, a big White Sox fan. I understand. White Sox, yes. You know, I wouldn't say big White Sox fan. I, I, their 05 World Series, I do want to take full responsibility for that. Okay. I was my first ever TV commercial. It was a White Sox commercial. Um, and really? It was the year they won. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was the year they won. And I, and I know it was because of me. I'm not going to give any love to any of the players. Let's just <laughs> be honest. They didn't, do it. they didn't do it before I did the commercial. They didn't do it after. No, just only the year that you you were advertising for them, working for them. Exactly, I guess. you were a part exactly. of exactly. And I've been trying to let other sports organizations know that, you know, hey, I'm a good luck charm. You know, <laughs> give, give me courtside seats, let me do the commercials, and I, I promise you a championship. All right, back to your your childhood in Chicago. First job working for the White Sox in a way. Yeah. What made you interested in? theater or in comedy and and how early did that start for you there's a couple a couple things you know it could have been something passed down through generations my mom is very funny didn't really follow that itch but she did some theater back in the day she writes poetry so she writes okay. she's very my mom is a very creative person but never really followed that that passion i met my grandfather for the for, for the first time when i was Probably like 10 years ago. Okay. Meeting him was so interesting. I moved to California. He lived in California and he was half blind, you know, tiny man sitting in front of his small TV and he was watching the Dodgers game. And I said, oh, you like baseball? And he's, and he's got one eye like this. And he goes, he goes, yeah, but me can only watch half the game. And then he stares at me like this. <laughs> and I thought... Oh, half the game because he's got one eye. I said, oh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. And then the rest of the day was just preceded by so many jokes, like dad jokes, funny jokes. Right. And I'm talking like sharp jokes. And then it started to hit me like, man, that maybe that may be passed down. You know, I got a very funny family, you know, an island family from, from Belize. So I always had it in me to perform. When I was a kid, I used to mock the preacher at church. You know what I mean? And I didn't know why, but I would just mimic him all the time. And I played basketball growing up. And once I got cut from the basketball team is when I realized, okay, one, I'm not as good as I thought I was. But two, I need to fill this void with something. And so there were auditions for theater and choir. And so I auditioned for both, got in and fell in love with it immediately. And I couldn't like stop doing it. And I just thought it was like something I was doing in the meantime. I didn't really truly realize that I could make a career out of it until I was sent to detention one too many times. And the woman in detention said, hey, you should really figure out what you want to do after you graduate and kind of harness this energy that you have. And so she gave me a pamphlet for Second City. Once that happened, it was like, oh boy, this is, 
this is it for me. You know, I started doing theater in college and Second City at the same time. And I was addicted to it. I would literally go wait tables for just enough money for food and for train fare just to get Second City back to the burbs and move around like that. And I fell in love with it. You know, that's that's got to be where it started. It, it, it was always in me. But once I was left with no other options, and it was kind of like, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. It was almost the same as I got so broke in L.A. I, I was auditioning, but I wasn't booking anything. And I didn't know why. I, I thought I was pretty talented. I said, man, you know, I, I was in Second City and I did all these things. And I was like, man, I can't get a job to save my life. And I was running late for an audition. I was so late. The car was repoed. I borrowed a friend's car. And I get there and, and I was forced to improvise. Like, I just made it up. I didn't read the script, the sides at all. I get in there and they say, did you read the sides? I say, yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> I right. just kind of glanced around. And once I made everything up, I guess it was refreshing to them that day because everyone was just sticking to the script. And they booked me on the spot. I just said, man, you got to trust your instincts and go with your skill set. Go with the thing that you train doing and you're passionate about doing, which was improv at the time. And I was left with no choice. And that was it. Wow. So much of what you just said is fascinating to me. My entree, I guess, into performing, into theater specifically for me, was very much the same. I wanted to be a professional baseball player. That was what I was oh, going to wow. do. So you yeah. know, for you, it was basketball. I had an injury. It's a very long story. But basically, I was left a very active kid who didn't have a place to put his focus and found theater. And much the same as well. I didn't see it as a career. I saw it as something that I was doing. A very smart guidance counselor gave you a <laughs> pamphlet to Second City. That so did you, you? You started taking classes there. Is that how it started for you at Second City? Yeah, I started taking classes there. They had a program called Brown Co. I remember Second City. There was an initiative. I want to say Keegan Michael Key started this initiative with a woman named Deanna Griffin out in Detroit, Second City, Detroit, where to get more black audience members, black and brown audience members, because there were none. And it was like, well, why are there none? It's like, well, because there are no black and brown performers. <laughs> and so we were like, oh, yeah, it was like, oh, well, let's let's go, let's go, and let's open the doors, let's go figure out where 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 these folks are. And so they started scouting, going to colleges. You know, I was doing this um, this comedy group with a guy named Chris Watoski, and we were in this group. And he blew my mind with how he's performing. And I just thought, man, this is amazing. Like, let's just go big and go broad and just get weird on stage. And so I started doing that. And I, and I really found my niche for sketch comedy. They had come to see me perform and asked me to come audition. That was how it, it worked out for me. I already knew I wanted to go there. You know, I knew that was going to be the trajectory. But I was, you know, it, it helped that they paid for me to go. Oh, no, I got a, <laughs> right. a, a scholarship there. <laughs> I right. like, Otherwise, I couldn't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So for you, was it was it improv? Like that was it? It was making people laugh, performing in that way? At the time, yeah. At the time, you know, even though I, even though at the same time I was studying, I was studying traditional acting, different techniques in theater school, you know, how to break down a character, how to analyze a script, those types of things. I was doing a ton of that, a lot of scene work. But there was something about just showing up and not knowing what the hell was going to happen <laughs> and then using your instincts with your friends on stage. That sat with me a lot more. And then it's a very useful tool, obviously. When you know, you know, when you're on set, you got to make stuff up from time to time. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know. save, save the writer or save yourself. Yes. No, I understand. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you move to Los Angeles? Did you stay and try to work in Chicago? Obviously, you booked a, a White Sox commercial. So did you start working professionally in Chicago? I started working professionally in Chicago. I did a couple of commercials. Actually, I did two White Sox commercials. Oh, the first one was the baseball one. It was me and uh, the first baseman, uh, Paul Conurco. Mm -hmm. And then the second one was a McDonald's White Sox and Cubs commercial with Bobby Jenks and Rob Belushi. <laughs> so it was uh, it was a pretty fun time on set for those spots. But then in Chicago, the the opportunities aren't as I'm not sure how they are now, but back then it. It was just commercial work. You know, it'd be rare if you got a movie or a TV opportunity there, but it's just commercial work. BET came to town, you know, looking for on-air personalities. And I, I didn't really know what that was, to be quite honest with you. I just knew, oh, this could be the thing. This is it's TV and 
it's a TV host. I guess that's kind of the same thing as acting, is it? I had no idea. I had no idea. I just gave it a shot. All my friends auditioned for it. I auditioned and I booked it. And I had to move to New York. This is Hotwired on BET. This is Hotwired, yeah. And I got to have some fun with that because the head of BET at the time was a guy named Reginald Hudlin. Reginald Hudlin, for folks out there who might not know, his college thesis project was House Party. So he made that movie in college. <laughs> and, wow. you know, and he's a Second City guy. Okay. The producer, director, Modern Family, uh, Django, producer. Yeah, he's he's an awesome guy. But he understood my sense of humor the moment I showed up and gave me a job there and wanted me to be myself and be silly and be weird. And, uh, so I was hosting for a while. And then I just, you know, I was missing out on a lot of acting opportunities. So I moved to L.A., Okay, which was a weird transition going straight from hosting to quitting cold turkey and trying to dive into traditional, you know, how do I get an agent? How do I, you know, I haven't acted in a while. What do I do? What's the process right. like? I'm in a whole new, there's marijuana out here. How, <laughs> what do I do about this marijuana that's here? <laughs> I, can't, I can't stop. I can't stop. There was a lot of stuff going on that, that made it difficult for me to get a job. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Both internal. And external. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that's why I made that move. That's why I made that transition. But that takes balls, right? I mean, like you have a job, you're working in entertainment, you're hosting, but you just want, you wanted to pursue more traditional acting, character creation, improv, and you decided Absolutely. that LA was the place you needed to be. 100%. And I think back then it was, it was the place, right. you know, obviously nowadays, you know, once the pandemic happened, it opened our eyes to a lot of things. People are moving, people are leaving LA <laughs> right. constantly. I mean, I'm still here, but you know, back then it was like, if you want to act, if you want to, you know, do it full time, this is the place you have to be. This is where the best of the best is. This is where the opportunities are. And it was difficult to be quite honest with you. It was really difficult. I would drive my friends to audition sometimes at big studios and I would drop them off and I would kind of just linger around the studio just kind of going, this is crazy to me. Like this is, you know, walking around the lot without a pass, <laughs> right. you know, looking at, looking at other actors driving past on golf carts going, man, you got a golf cart too. Like This is crazy. <laughs> I, I fell in love with the magic of it. There's still something very magical about it. And I just knew, I just said, man, I can't leave until I, I can't leave until I'm on a golf cart. <laughs> <laughs> Until you have your own golf cart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you were doing commercials too, right? You had quite a bit of success in commercials when you moved to LA. Oh, yeah. Again, the start of it in LA was that audition. Right. And I got lucky because that casting director kept calling me in for things after that. And it was such a blessing to my life. <laughs> I mean, I went from having negative $11 in my bank account to booking like seven that week. And, wow. you know, traveling internationally for commercials, getting commercial offers. I was like, this is crazy to me. That kind of re-sparked my faith in myself. You, know, you lose a lot of steam. You lose a lot of faith in yourself and your ability. And you get down on yourself when you're not working. And it's, um, it, ha it still happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. It still happens now. You know what I mean? They're like, damn, you know, I miss out on certain jobs or it goes a while without working. And Back then, I was really, really low on myself, and it couldn't have come at a better time in my life. I, I want to say, I, I don't know how many commercials I had done in that year. It was a, a ridiculous amount. It got to the point where if I was walking down the street, people would go, how do, man, I know you from uh, Twix. Was it? No, no. Miller, <laughs> nah. Was it Best Buy? I go, all of them. <laughs> all of those right. things. <laughs> it was all those commercials. <laughs> a friend told me a story about Keenan Ivory Wayans. Did Damon tell me, I think either Damon Wayans Jr. told me the story or Marlon. I forget. Someone told me the story where Keenan was watching some sports game or whatever, some football game or something. And then a commercial had come on. He said, damn, he said, this dude is on every commercial. And then the next commercial that popped up was a different commercial that I was in. Someone said that he threw his remote control at the TV. I don't know how true that is, but I just remember <laughs> hearing that and, and being so excited that Keenan Ivory Wayans knew who I was. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he hated me. Even if he was annoyed <laughs> by you. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> commercials, though, when you're starting out, I mean, especially back then, you could make some real money and 
keep your career going. And like you said, get some confidence and also get some experience on set, right? Because sure, you could say live shows are more difficult. It's, you know, there's more pressure, you're on stage, but you know, I've talked about this with a lot of people, but it's, it's worth at least to me saying again, how difficult that experience is on set of a movie, of a TV show, of a commercial, that experience of shooting something experience is so important, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, the basics. I've been on set with people who are just who are really talented, but this is their first project, you know, and they couldn't hit their mark to save their lives. They yeah. don't understand how to take direction, a note from a director. They don't understand how fast pace we're moving. They, there's a lot of things that you just get innately when you're doing you do so many commercials and you when you finally get that opportunity, you're you're used to it. You're used to a hundred people running around. You're used to them putting makeup on your face constantly and doing touch-ups and all this stuff where you're trying to think of your lines and it becomes a muscle. You become so used to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it right. got to the point now, it got to the point, I remember being on New Girl and you'll be talking to your scene partner in between takes or maybe running lines and there's so many people touching you that right. you'd have no idea. There's someone, someone literally has their hands in your pants. Yeah. <laughs> you're not phased by it. And sometimes <laughs> two different people, a wardrobe person <laughs> yes. and a sound person coming in yes. one angle and going down the other angle. <laughs> exactly. And Jake Johnson and I, I think it was, was it Max or Jake? I forget who it was. We would walk up behind that person. We'd put our hands behind their, in their pants too and see if they noticed it. And they never would. No. <laughs> it never would. It just starts like literally playing with the butt cheeks. And they're just yeah. kind of like, doesn't they have no idea who's playing with their butt cheeks right now? <laughs> but that's something you got to get used to. That's something that that happens. You know, it could throw. It could be very jarring if this is your first day on set. <laughs> that's true. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zinn is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zinn won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. Find your Zinn online or in a store near you at zinn.com find. That's zyn.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChapaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Speaking of new girl... I have been told you auditioned many times. 15, is that correct? 15, yeah. I could be off by one, maybe. Okay, 14 one, or 16. Maybe, maybe four, four, yeah, 14 or 16. <laughs> okay. It was, I think it was three or four times for the coach character and then the rest for the Winston character. It was a grueling process. It's a story that you could write about when you're teaching people how the process goes and how unpredictable it is. Okay. And how there's no one way to get a job. I went, I auditioned for the coach character, like a lot of the other actors did. Didn't book it. In fact, I think my audition was so weird to them. I want to say I dressed up in tight shorts and did the a whole thing. I took the script too literal. Okay. And they were like, yeah, it was too much. So then they keep auditioning people. Then they asked me to come back, just minus the get up. <laughs> Please okay. put, put on regular people clothes. <laughs> And simultaneously, I had the same day, I had an audition for a CBS pilot called The Assistants with um, TJ Miller, Heather Locklear, Sarah Wright, David Henry. It was a really cool multicam show. Okay. And I got passed on by casting for that after my first read because the casting assistant who was reading with me kept dropping lines. And so I had these big chunks of monologues. And whenever she would drop a line, it would fast forward me to two scenes ahead. And I, I would be so off. That's what she was saying, that they passed on me. And I told my agent, I said, listen, I need to get back in there and, and audition. I said, I guarantee you I'll book this. I said, I know this is, this is a perfect character for me. You just got to get me in. It was her fault. I said, it wasn't my fault. This is the assistance. This, yeah. Okay. And they get me in. They get me into this back to, for the assistance. Then I get a phone call saying that they want me to test for New Girl now, for the coach character. Okay. And I said, okay, great. So then they bring me back in to read for the assistants, but this time with the producers. And so they stopped me halfway through my audition. I get through most of the audition. Then they stopped me halfway through my audition. And then I thought, oh, maybe it was me. Maybe I was just bad. <laughs> and then they go, they go, we hear you're testing for New Girl tomorrow. I said, yeah. And they go, can we ask you to tank that audition? <laughs> and I said, what? what? Yeah, because they really wanted me for the assistance. Remember, I just got passed on from the assistance. You got passed on from the assistance. You're halfway through reading it, and you think, oh, God, I have been terrible. But actually, reading halfway through, they already know they want you. Yes. This is incredible. Okay. And so I go home that day, and I have this dilemma. Two shows that I'm about to test for, paying roughly around the same money. You know, right. it wasn't, it was my first TV job. It wasn't about the money at that point, but. Right. And I'm with my buddy Ramses, a good friend of mine, Ramses Jimenez, talented actor, and Chad Bozeman, God rest his soul. He was, he was like a mentor. Okay. You know, obviously he was in the business and he knew what to do. And he, he said, Hey man, you have to do the job that fulfills you the most, whether you get it or not, you don't want to live with saying, you know, you didn't shoot your shot. I test for New Girl while I'm at, oh, I go to the test. I'm sorry. I go to the test for New Girl. I'm sitting in the, the courtyard. I get a call from my agent saying, don't sign that contract. Because now CBS has canceled their test and said, we want to just make you a straight offer and pay you more money. What? Yeah. And so my agent's advice was bird in the hand, take the job. So I took this, the CBS offer. We tried to get New Girl to make me an offer. They didn't want to. Okay. They then go with their test. They don't find anybody. They then hire Damon Wayans Jr. Okay. Thinking his show, Happy Endings, is going to be wasn't going to get a second season. Exactly. My show, Assistance, doesn't get picked up. After the pilot. After the pilot. Happy Endings gets picked up for a second season. So Damon has to go. So now I'm thinking, hey, guys. <laughs> hey, remember me? The guy walked out on your test. <laughs> like. Can you bring me back in? And they, they loved Damon so much, his performance so much. If you watch the pilot, he's, he's fantastic. They wanted to keep that and not redo it. So they had to rewrite another, had to write another character in. People, a lot of people say, oh, it was like a black guy swap. This is just, he's a black dude. They're going to swap in another black dude. It was, <laughs> no, it was, it was like, it was open to any ethnicity. I mean, a lot of folks read for it. 
you name it, every ethnicity, you know, size, age, it was kind of like they didn't know what they wanted. That's why I had to read so many times. It was constant changing of the sides, dynamics with character structure, you know, status. Am I the coy one? Am I the boss of the group? Am I the shot? You know, who am I? So it took a while. That's why it was that many auditions. Crazy. (laughs) That is crazy. That has never happened to me. I have never been sitting at the courtyard at Fox or wherever you were and told, no, someone else just made you an offer. Walk out on this test. That's amazing. (laughs) Did you go in and tell them or did you just leave? That's what I want to know. Did you walk into the room and say, I'm sorry, I've just got another offer? Or did you just get in your car and drive away? Almost. Almost. I was walking to the room when my phone started vibrating. My, My agent said, keep your phone on. I was walking with the casting director, Seth Yankowitz, and uh, you, know, you walk in and you sign, that, you sign that paper. And before I did it, I looked at him and I said, uh, it's my agent. And he knew right away. He, he knew. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, Seth. I'm, I'm sorry I did that to you in that moment. Uh, but it worked out. Look at us. Look at us now. At it us. worked out. <laughs> exactly. It, it worked out. You end up joining in the second episode, right? Because they wanted, they wanted the pilot to air as shot. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And that was weird. I got to say, for the first two seasons, I didn't know if I was being fired or not. I'll admit, I wasn't, we weren't writing necessarily for my strengths because we didn't know my strengths yet. We didn't know the dynamic. We we would try certain things and test certain things. It just wasn't working. Maybe, Eh, maybe he's jobless. Eh, Maybe he's, uh, you know, he gets a job as an usher or a babysitter. We were trying all these things. And then that became the game a little bit of the character. And then I started playing into that more, doing bits off camera with the other actors. They started to realize, the writers, I, I gotta say, writers on, on New Girl, geniuses, because they would look at the bits in between stuff and figure out what was funny, the impro- improvised stuff, and they would go, let's tailor it towards that. And they would write the most ridiculous stuff for my character. And it worked, and I loved it. Every, every episode felt like a sketch comedy show to me. Because I didn't know what character trait I had that week. And, you know, one week my character is a former professional basketball player. The next week he has thin fingers and he can't carry anything. (laughs) Next week he constantly (laughs) has erections for some reason. It's like, what? (laughs) So it was funny. It was fun. It was a fun, fun show to do for sure after the second season for me. When you felt like they figured out who you were. And we're able to play into what you felt like your strength was. Yeah. And once I knew I wasn't going to get fired, I was just more comfortable going to work every day. <laughs> I was like, okay. Why did you think you were going to be fired? Was there anything specifically that happened? I thought I was underperforming, to be quite honest with you. I knew what I was capable of doing, but I would leave set every day going, I didn't do what I wanted to do. And they don't know that I have this weird energy that I could perform, this level that I could perform at. I don't think, they, I, I don't think I've done it yet. And I would watch the episodes back and sometimes I'd cringe at them and I would go, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's any good. It's very insecure. I was extremely insecure. And, you know, my castmates, obviously, and the producers would kind of reassure me, like, you're not going anywhere. But, you know, <laughs> I know how this business is. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and, and they were very gracious. They gave me a lot of room to, to grow. I, th- I think we're all glad it, it happened that way because it was just another piece I think the otherwise perfect cast. Everybody on the show is clicking on all cylinders from day one, and I was trying to find my footing. Yeah. I feel like there's, in a lot of ways, a similarity between The Office and New Girl in terms of Mm -hmm. this sort of disparate collection of characters that that find themselves together and form this sort of pseudo-family in a way, right? Is that, yeah. is that a stretch? Not a stretch at all. Not a stretch at all. It's like, no matter what office you go into, to them in that office, they're this, you have a story about a guy who acts this way or, oh, I know this woman, she behaves this way and you wouldn't believe it until you saw it. You know, and then the office is a heightened version of what people can identify with all the characters on the show. And I think that's the same way with New Girl is that people these people who live together and everyone has a story about my roommate does this or he wears a kimono at night and you go no no he doesn't and then you watch new girl and you people go yeah look <laughs> that's they wrote that about me you know right it's, uh, you know it's a weird group of people that 
have a common bond and, you know, and they, and they stick it out and they stick together. And I think the reason why our shows resonated is because, and lasted for so long is because people at home felt connected to the characters. Right. No, for sure. When did you realize that the show was taking off? It was going to, you know, after you, after you found your own personal security in terms of your job security, when did you feel like, oh no, we're going to, we're going to be around for a while. Do you remember? Was there a moment? There were a few. I got to say, once people started knowing my name on the street. Okay. Because people, people always, you know, they still to this day call me Winston from New right. York. Winston. Winston, it's constant. But the moment people would go, Mr. Morris, Lamorne, Lamorne, getting in a photo. And I thought, my God, they looked up my name. <laughs> like they, <laughs> they, you know, people are invested in, it's like sometimes you'll watch a TV show and then you'll just go on to the next. Some of my favorite shows, I couldn't tell you the actors' real names. Right. You know, and I, now I can, you know, because we're in the business now. But like, it's one of those things where you're walking down the street and somebody says your name and it hits you. Like, my goodness, that's what they know me from. It must, it must be working. And right. when you would read, I'm not supposed to read comments, but I read them. And when you see so many, whether they're good or bad, I go, there's a conversation around an episode that we did. And you go, oh, people care. People are truly <laughs> invested. Then you see fan fiction, you know, right. <laughs> about, right. about your show. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> people are disgusting, but also <laughs> invested. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, have you ever played True American? I have. I played True American. Yeah, but on accident, kind of. I was. It was a party going on in Hollywood, and we walked past it. And, you know, people recognized me, and they were like, you'll never believe what we're doing over here. We're playing True American. And I, I reached out to the guy. We exchanged Instagrams afterwards, and I've been, re- I've been talking to him lately, like, where are the photos that I'm in? He's like, I was trying to keep you out of them because I didn't want to be that guy, <laughs> be that paparazzi guy while you're partying. But I even posted some photos on my Instagram back then they were literally having a full-on true American party in their front yard. That's amazing. Like standing on chairs, doing bits and, you know, screaming, JFK, FDR. It was a whole thing, which also blew my mind. To this day, it still blows my mind. <laughs> it's a, right. a drinking game with no rules, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I went uh, in prep. This is not a joke. I was like, oh, yeah, that true American. And I got online to try to mm-hmm. ascertain and figure out what the rules were. Mm-hmm. Reading the description of True American, by the way, a drinking game from New Girl, left me more confused <laughs> than I thought that I was to start with. So I don't know if that's a good thing or yes. a bad thing, but that's that's the point. That's the point because if there are all those beers, you're gonna be confused at the end of the night. You're, <laughs> you're gonna ask yourself, gonna "Why confused. did I do this? <laughs> Why? Why right. me?" I uh, one of the things that happened on The Office. It was intentional. Greg Daniels, our showrunner, had come from mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live. And from the very beginning, he felt like the ensemble experience was incredibly important, but the ensemble experience, not just amongst the actors, amongst everyone. And so he had writers mm-hmm. who were actors and actors who were writers. And I know on New Girl, you guys had a similar experience. You wrote an episode, you directed an episode. Mm-hmm. Was that you or was that a part of the culture you, you feel like that, that was created on the show? A little, a little of both. Okay. Liz Merriweather is very, she asks a lot of questions and loves hearing stories about your personal life and incorporating things that you may have done. And, you know, that's a testament to all the writers as well. They just, you know, they want to know. And they, they all know and knew that I had aspirations to direct and to write. You know, I would always have ideas. On set, as actors, we're always pitching ideas, mm-hmm. character storylines. My whole, the whole Winston being a police officer was my idea. And then writing the episode came because of that. Okay. The episode that I wrote was about my character being, being new to the force, but then meeting this woman that he really liked and was vibing with. And then she finds out that she's protesting the police. And so he's like, oh. So he's now doesn't know if he's ashamed to be a cop or if he should be proud to be a cop. He doesn't know. And so, because he's a black police officer, you know, so he's like, uh, wait, you know, and that came from Twitter. So on the show, my character is named Ferguson. And at the time, there was a lot of civil unrest based off what happened in Ferguson. And people started tweeting me. They were like, oh, how's it feel to play a black cop with a cat named Ferguson in these times? And I was like, 
God damn it. If I get one more tweet about this. And people started really asking me. Questions went from being funny to right. serious. Like, nah, brother, you got to speak up. What do you think about this? And I was like, I'm just an actor, but okay. Uh, so I went to Liz Merriweather because I genuinely started feeling uncomfortable. I asked her if I could address it on the show. And so she said, why don't you write an episode? So she paired me with Rob Roselle, one of our fantastic writer-producers, and we came up with an episode. And we addressed it in, the, in, a, in a, a way, you know, a very network TV funny kind of way. But we still put some light on it and what could possibly go through a police officer's head in that moment right. when he does meet someone like that, you know, in these times that we're living in. So that was the reason why I wrote that one. But it was, to her, it was like, please do it. And then directing, they just asked, hey, do you want to direct? Right. <laughs> Damn right I do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that was easy. That was a, that, that, I want to say it's easy. It, it, the process was a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. But on set, the, everyone was so, everyone except for Max Greenfield, everyone besides Max Greenfield was so kind. Max, <laughs> Max was intentionally a dick. <laughs> yeah. 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 I had that too. Rain Wilson. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Makes it just, yep. yeah. Was he being just to make it, yeah. Just to make it difficult. <laughs> just to make it difficult. Yeah. Oh, uh, just take that whatever the little, maybe the teeniest amount of insecurity you might have and just, just twist it in. Yep. It is. Oh, it, it is. Even though you know they love you and they're messing with you, it's still, it works. What they're doing is working. I'm, I'm oh, yeah. getting more and more insecure as the day goes on. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> my in over my head. <laughs> you brought up Ferguson. Are you a cat guy? Um, this is going to disappoint a lot of people. No. In fact, hell no. <laughs> I you know, I, I don't mind I don't mind cats anymore. When I was younger, my buddy used to have a bunch of cats and one of them when it was a kitten, he said, Oh, it's buttercup, hold buttercup. I said, Oh hey, buttercup, you're so adorable. And we had just got through playing basketball, so I had no shirt on. Buttercup goes and attaches to my chest and slides down and cuts up my chest on its way down. Because it was too fast. You didn't see it coming. You couldn't yeah. have stopped this attack if you tried. Cats are super quick and sneaky. I don't trust them. At least with dogs, they're loud and you know they're coming. You know they're coming. This one, mm-mm. Cats, now. And I watched Pet Cemetery, And oh, yeah. It was a scary film. Yeah. No, that is, <laughs> yeah. So, no, I don't, I don't fuck with cats. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zinn is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zinn won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. Find your Zinn online or in a store near you at zinn.com find. That's zyn.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Is there a thing that fans talk to you about the most? Is there a moment from New Girl that people talk to you about the most? There's a couple. Ferguson, for sure. You know, I'm joking, but cats are like incredible creatures. So people, they're cat people out there that love to talk about Ferguson. But I would probably say one of the moments that people always bring up is Prince. You know, we had Prince on our show for an episode, and that to me, was one of the more significant moments in my, just my life, you know, being on camera with Prince and being around him backstage and, or off camera and just talking and having him share stories and having him just, Prince showed up to our rap party, which was crazy. That's awesome. I, super awesome. And I said to him, I said, hey, you want to stick around for a while? And he looks at me and giggles and goes, <laughs> goodness, no. <laughs> and he laughed. <laughs> of course you're not why would you get out of here (laughs) i don't think i've ever shared this story before i would say the most quintessential hollywood you know when you put hollywood in quotes hollywood moments of my entire life i don't remember the event it was some pre-award show event at chateau marmont the famous Chateau Marmont. Yeah. I, at this point in my time, I didn't even know there were bungalows at the Chateau Marmont. And by the <laughs> way, if you're listening, there are bungalows at the Chateau Marmont. Some of these bungalows are very nice. And at least one bungalow has a piano. And something happened very late at night. It was someone said, oh, come into this bungalow. And I went into this bungalow and there was Prince sitting at the piano playing at the Chateau Marmont. And I thought, okay, well, this is it. For me, this this is the moment. This is the Hollywood moment that, you know, I never thought would come, but that has has suddenly brought itself here. So I don't know exactly the experience of working with him or hanging out with him, but how cool and amazing he is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You walk into a room and Prince is playing the piano, you know you've made it. <laughs> you, you, you go, yes. You go, or at I'm least like you've here. been invited somewhere where somebody's made it for sure. Yeah. Exactly. You're you're at the table, a kind of at the table. Yeah. Yeah. An incredible run on New Girl. Now you guys are going back, as we talked about at the beginning. Welcome to our show. You're rewatching it now in real time, right? Yeah. I'm looking at it in real time. Right from where I'm sitting, I have a TV back here. I watch it. I take notes. I I do. I dive back in, and it's interesting. I find myself instead of taking notes, I find myself laughing as a fan because I right. I didn't get a chance to truly enjoy it while it was on because you know it's airing. We're filming. It's airing. We're filming. Now it's like I could go and binge it and forget that I'm supposed to be taking notes. You know, it's a, it's a, it just reminds me of a a beautiful time in my career. Not to say it's not great now, but it, you know, then it was like. I was younger and I was care carefree. I had, the, you know, I was on a television show, just showing up. You know, I got a kid now. I got, I got responsibilities. <laughs> yeah. Does it bring you back to the moments of shooting it as you're rewatching it? Absolutely. I don't know how it feels to you when I'm watching it. I forget about some. Of, I have to remember some of the like negative moments. I, I try to because I want to write those things down. Like there was something that was bugging me that day. 
Right. Like, I can't remember, you know, and I try to think about the negative stuff, but you can't because the editors do a good job of <laughs> making me look happy <laughs> on those days. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? But, right. Uh, it definitely takes me back to, to that time. This is going to sound, I don't know, this sounds cheesy, you know what I mean? So I'm not that guy, but it definitely puts a warming sensation in your belly. It's like Christmas when Santa comes down the chimney or your drunk neighbor, <laughs> the guy who shows up, you know, the guy who's doing your mom. It's Christmas, boy. Come here. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, during the pandemic, I went back and, and rewatched the office as well. And it's interesting, you know, for us, a lot of the episodes, you know, we were doing quite a bit of improv and stuff. And the first edit would come back at like 43 minutes. For me, the thing that struck me the most was taking me back to the moments where we were, when we were shooting it. And then also remembering what actually made the cut. Like what is actually a part yeah. of the narrative now, you know, or what, what got, you know, that, <laughs> that stuff, like what got cut or, yeah, mm -hmm. I know that. For me, that was it. Do you, you obviously haven't gotten in your rewatch to the finale any specific memories for you of your last days on set or your last day? Oh my gosh. Oh my God. It was such a surreal moment. It was mixed feelings. I still think about it all the time. When you watch it, they did such a great job of capturing how we were actually feeling. You know, our finale is us leaving our loft. You know, we're standing in there in this loft playing True American, and then we end up we fast forward on the show to us having kids playing true American with kids. And then we rewind back to us be, being in this empty loft. Now on that day when we were shooting, I remember behind the camera, they all showed up. All the writers are there. Everyone was there and everyone was emotional. Like it was very, except for Jake Johnson. I think actually he left immediately. Uh, <laughs> he was like, peace. No, uh, uh, but it was, we were all, it was a very emotional time. You know, you spend, you know, seven years on a television show and you get to know so many people and you're, it's a true family. You spend so many hours with each other. That's right. I remember us being on that, this empty box in this empty loft going like, they're clearing out the stage for real. They're not going to put props back in here. Like, it's actually empty. Right. It was, it was an unbelievable feeling. They saved the last moment <laughs> for our last day. They did it right, you know. Right. You know, and fans will, and fans don't know. Just then, then they find out that it was all just a big prank by me, which was <laughs> my character was like, "Oh, we didn't have to move out the loft. Look at this." <laughs> kind of leaves the door open for a reunion, you know. Yeah. But who knows? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, April eighth, woke. It's back for season two. By the way, I saw yes. JB Smoove is on it. So, is it now in your mm -hmm. contract that? Everything you do has to have JB Smooth, or or maybe everything it he has does to. has to have you. Or man, it has to. I can't go a day without talking to JB. No, I can't. I love that <laughs> dude so much, man. He's so funny. When I tell you, so directing him, he plays my quote unquote father in New Girl, and uh, I got a chance to direct him. And you know, it's not really directing him. He kind of JB gonna do what JB gonna do. Uh, <laughs> but it was so funny. The way he improvises has me in tears. You don't want to cut anything. I can give you a story about JB. We were um, doing barbershop, actually. We were in barbershop together. You know, you do a table read, you pretty much stick to the script. Right. So the writers and everybody can see what works, you know, change some jokes, whatever. <laughs> That's the point, right, is to see what works of a table read is that you read the words that were written so you see what works. Yes, that's correct. Go ahead, Laborn. <laughs> that's the point. JB goes, JB just goes left. I mean, he added maybe five minutes of dialogue to this one particular scene. And I tell you, the writers were like, bingo, added it to the movie. <laughs> and his character in the movie now has this huge arc, like this big, that was way more than was on the page. And it's brilliant. It was, it was almost like they left it intentionally because they knew JB was going to do something with it. And when I say in tears at the table read, then him and Cedric the Entertainer start improvising together, going back and forth, roasting each other, improvising full-on jokes to each other at the table read. And I just thought, 
this is going to be crazy. And I, and I, and that's how it was on set. And I was like, this, I, if I could do barbershop for the rest of my life, I'll do barbershop for the rest of my life. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's just one story about JB of many that where you go, Hey man, the lines are, uh, <laughs> I, Oh, another quick story. I'm sorry. I was, sorry. I, know. I was pitching something and I needed JB to like send a funny little clip. I said, just like 10 seconds, anything you want, but in this parameter. He sends me, I think, an eight-minute video, <laughs> I want to say, where he's just like, hey, man, so I hear you pitching this show, man. Look, man, look, when you're pitching the show, anytime you go in there, what you want to do is you want to wrap toilet paper around your hand. You see, just have, a, just have a whole bunch of toilet paper on your head. So when you get there and, and, and you get there to your, to your pitch, they're going to go, what the hell is he doing with toilet paper on his hand? See, ah, already you're throwing them off. You understand? <laughs> ah, they're looking at the toilet paper. You see what I'm saying? He goes, or what you want to do is you want to have the meeting real early, like 5.30 a.m. <laughs> it's like just having the butt crack of dawn. Just have a real early pitch meeting. And you go in there and you sit down and just have a pocket full of loose grapes. Just loose grapes. And just every once in a while when they're talking or you're talking, just pop a loose grape in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, gummy bears, gummy bears work. And then he goes on and on about oh, all these things God. you need to do in a pitch reading. <laughs> That's so amazing. I was, I, the tears. It's <laughs> like, JB, I just wanted you to say I endorse this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. You are the best. Thank you so much. Woke. Oh. That's right. April 8th, oh, season two premiere. Have you had fun doing that? Absolutely. Absolutely. The cast on this show, the creators of the show, I mean, the best group of folks. Um, you know, we got Sashir Zameda, Blake Anderson, T. Murph. This season, we got Amy Garcia on the show. Uh, you name it, Miguel Pinzon, Marquita Goings. We got Billy Magnuson. This show, this season, I'm telling you, folks would be really, really shocked and pleasantly surprised, you know, with what they're going to see. You know, just creating this kind of weird environment talking about certain things that are kind of political, but you leave it so open-ended. You're following the lens of a guy who doesn't know which way, he, who he is politically. You're following his view and you're like, hey, that's kind of how I am. Like, oh, you know, right. in the world of misinformation and left or right or whatever the hell you want to be on, he's, he's that person. He's like, I don't know. You know, I think a lot of people will resonate with this character and what he's going through. So um, I'm excited for folks to see it. Awesome. Well, I cannot wait to see it as well. You are hilarious, engaging, such oh, a pleasure to actually me. talk to you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, man. You as well, man. You as well. I'm a huge fan, dude. I think you're hilarious. And and th and I'm super like honored that you would have me on your show. So I, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Lamorn, it's like I've always known you. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. This was truly my pleasure. To the rest of you, I'm going to see you next week for another episode of Off the Beat. In the meantime, make sure to like, subscribe, comment. You know the drill. And if I were you, I would also tune into Lamorne's podcast. Welcome to our show. Because us podcasters, we got to stick together. Until next time, everybody, have a great week. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our producers are Diego Tapia, Liz Hayes, Emily Carr, and Hannah Harris. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend, Creed Bratton. And the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.